Thank you for listening to a Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at praisechapelkingman.com. Worship, I'll tell you, the, the, the thing about worship, God's really getting a hold of my heart in it, in this season of my life, because I'm convinced, and I'm sure that there are many things like this in the kingdom of God. In fact, I know there are. But I am convinced that everything that you need, you can find in worship. When you worship him, when you lift his name, when you lift his name, when you worship him, when you love him, that worship draws you into intimacy. And in that intimacy, that relationship, that connection with God, out of that is birthed a trust. There's a trust, there's a faith, there is a, a dynamic that is, for many, even unspeakable, but it's where Proverbs 3, 5 comes in, where we can trust him with all of our heart and not lean to our own understanding. In this life, we're so tempted to respond to our five senses, what we can feel or see or hear or smell. And we, we take that information in and what that tells us, we believe is the absolute. But I'm going to tell you, there's a greater truth. And the greater truth is what he is doing. And it's in that worship that our spiritual senses come alive. And when our spiritual senses come alive, we tap into a whole new level. Can you say amen? Well, I am excited for this morning because we have a special treat for you. I've invited a very good friend of ours, a very good friend of this church, uh, to come and to minister to us. We haven't heard him in a couple years, but we're looking forward to hearing him this morning. So let's, let's give Pastor Kurt McKinney a great big hand as he comes. Hallelujah. I'm good every two years. <laughs> We've gone from every year to every two years. That's because I'm preaching worldwide now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not preaching. <laughs> I'm preaching wide, but not worldwide. And uh, this morning, I, you know, I've been watching online a little bit and seeing all the changes in colors. And so I told your pastor, if I wear all black... I didn't know these were like that, that I would just maybe be a bobbing head, you know. Just. And so I had on a beautiful teal shirt, just like this, but teal. My wife kids me because I have four shirts just like this. And all my pants are just like these. And everybody says I don't change clothes, but I actually do. And I went into the restroom in the hotel and I'm looking, I'm getting all beautified, right. combing my hair. Yeah. And I notice a spot on the teal shirt right here. Oh. And I go, I know, oh, I know. And I went like that and I go, oh, it's not wet, it's a spot. And I thought, how sad that everything I eat drops right here. <laughs> I can't figure out why it just doesn't go to the floor. It, it always hits here first. So. I had to go black today, but it's okay. You'll get over it. It'll fit in and bright lights, so I'm not a bobbing head. But uh, I am honored to be here this morning, and uh, I was thinking about relationships. <clears throat> and I understand I'm probably not here for my great preaching, probably not here for my good looks. Thank you. <laughs> 
But I am here because of relationship. I have probably 35 years of relationship with parts of staff, uh, this church. And before that, I used to come, and some of you are sitting here probably remember this guy. I remember the name, or somebody told me in between service, that back in the day when I came here in the 70s, I came to a four-square church. It was an old block four-square church, and a pastor Quimby was there. And so I go back a long way uh, with relationship here. And so uh, some of you know who that is. And it's been since I've been saved since I've seen him. But we brought a music group to his church one time and uh, relationship started then. So that's a lot of relationship. And I, I appreciate being able to come here and see people I haven't seen for a while. It's relationship. And walking into the office and seeing, you know, John and Alex and Harry Hill, even Harry Hills, you know, I appreciate Harry. <laughs> and I've known Harry for a long, long time. So I walk in and I feel at home. Right. I can walk in the office, sit on the couch, and not I feel at home because it is home. It's, it's, I've been here a long time, and so I honor the idea and the privilege to be able to preach here. And so God knows that we desire a good old-fashioned relationship. Yes. Everybody needs relationship. Everybody needs a good friend. Whether you're close to that friend or you're not, they're still your friend. Yes. I have friends that I see every few years and may, maybe not talk to them in a few years. But if I called them today and said I need help, they'd be right there. Amen. They're my longtime friends. And so I want to look at the, the idea. I, I've, been, I've titled the sermon, Making Life Easy in 2,500 Easy Steps. <laughs> it is good, huh? I thought it was good, too. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Because it takes a lot, many more steps than that. And many years to finally come to a place where you are comfortable in your own skin, comfortable with God, comfortable where you are in life. And so I want to look at this topic of why God? Why God? Now, this isn't a question, why God did this happen to me? Or this isn't, why God did you allow this to happen? Or why, God, didn't you do this for me? And That's not it. The question is, why God does anything for us? God, why would you do anything for us? And so this morning, I want to preach a little bit from Genesis to Revelation. I do. <clears throat> Second service, I didn't quite get to Revelation, but I got close. And uh, I may not even get there this morning, but I'm told that uh, first service, we have a limit. Second service, we can go to three or four in the afternoon. <laughs> Don't worry, that ain't going to happen. I get hungry in about an hour. <laughs> then it's over. So let's just go to Genesis 1. I want to look at this relationship a little bit because I'll be honest with you. The older you get, the more you value relationship. Yes. You know, I got a lot of pictures of motorcycles I've owned through the years. I've got a lot of pictures of cars I've had through the years. And, and every now and then I'll get them out and start showing somebody, look at here, this is back there in 19, back in 68. This is the car I had. Amen. 
my wife will say, put the pictures away. Nobody cares about your pictures. And you know, the reality is they're just pictures of what used to be. And the only thing that lasts in my life is friendships and relationships. In the end, you realize the older you get, you realize your only value that you really have in life is family, friends, really relationships. If you can go back 50 years and call up a friend and say, let's go for coffee, that's an amazing thing. To just sit there and look at each other and go, God, you're old. <laughs> so are you. <laughs> ain't, ain't we? And talk about memories and talk about good times and walk away and go, that's my friend. That's good times. And there's probably nothing better. Reality. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it's interesting, after God did that, he looked and he goes, it's good, that's good. And, and I just tripped at God, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out God's look, which I can't really do. I think he looks like me, but I'm not sure. I do, I think he looks like me. <laughs> I can't figure out when God did that. You know, my mind just, my mind's kind of weird. It's okay. If you've been here for years, you know I'm kind of the weird guy. But you said that with confidence, right? <laughs> but, you know, I'm trying to figure out God. When God created everything, he goes, that's good. I'm wondering how that really looked and how that came down and what attitude was like. God, I'm good. <laughs> you know, I don't know how that worked, but I know one thing. God said, this is good. I like this. And then he said, hey, 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 I got another idea. And hey, hey, hey is probably the Holy Ghost and Jesus, you know. I'd, hey, hey. Maybe a few angels. <laughs> Come here. I'm going to create man in my image. Let's just do that one. We got this garden. We got this beautiful thing. Let's create man in our image and let's just put him right smack dab in the middle of it all. Let's just bless him and give him authority and dominion over everything. Just make his life like, woo. And I guess everybody voted and it was good. Because he took a little dirt. Breathe life into it, and Adam came about. We know that story. And after a while, he looked at Adam and said, well, now this should be a lesson. This is not good. <laughs> I thought it'd be good. It's not that good. I have him. He has me, kind of, but he needs somebody else. So he laid Adam down, took a rib from him, and made woman. And he brought woman to Adam and he said, here, check her out. <laughs> and you know, all of us preachers like to kind of mock how Adam responded. You know, you've all, I've done it. You've heard it. Woo, man. Whoa, dude, dude. You know, all these things. But you see, I want to know what did Eve say? 
we always say this is probably how he reacted. Woo, get back, mama, kiss myself. This, woo. Oh, that's for old people. You young people wouldn't know all about that. Jump back and kiss myself. You wouldn't know that. But us old people do. But see, my question is, how did Eve respond? I think this is how she responded. God brings Eve to Adam and goes, here. And she looks and goes, is this my only choice? Is there another? <laughs> yeah, it probably didn't happen that way. But I like to think maybe it did. And God said, no, this, this is good. This is good. Now, for all the controversy that's, you know, going around our planet Earth today about man, woman, and kind of man, woman, and woman, man, and, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. When God brought this woman to man, he said, this is good. And if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. This is good. And so he gave him dominion over everything. And the question is, why would God do that? Why would God create everything, create Adam, create Eve, and then in the cool of the day, check this out, in the cool of the day, God says, Adam, come, uh, come over for to here and let's talk. And he walked with them and talked with them in the cool of the day and had relationship with them. And God said, man, it don't get no better than this. I like, I like this. Relationship. Why did God create Adam and Eve? Why? Well, because they need each other. No, he needed them. God wanted relationship with man. God created that for his relationship so that he could come down in the cool of the day and go, man, I've been waiting for this. Come on, we're going to talk. Let's walk. How you doing, man? I know how you're doing. I just want to hear it. Relationship was an incredible thing. God says, man, you can do anything you want. Just don't touch that tree. We know the story, don't we? Man blows it. God's crushed. I don't care. You say, well, God doesn't have him. God has emotions. He was crushed. What was he crushed about? Man blew it. Things can never be the same. Sin has entered in. God never did plan it this way. But man did it, made a decision. And now everything's changed. Relationships changed. And he says, you're out of here. That which I created for you, you're leaving. And life's going to get tough. And you're going to have to work. And women, you're going to have to bring some pain into this world. It just. Mm. And Adam said, please, 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 please. God says, no, you're out. 
And the Bible says he puts an angel at the entrance of the garden with a flaming sword and says, you ain't coming back. Things have changed. From that moment till today is an incredible road to recovery called the Bible that is absolutely amazing. Chapter after chapter after chapter of nothing more than stories about how can God get back to a relationship with man that he once had. How can man get back to a relationship he once had where he can talk to me and walk with me and have fellowship with me? How's this going to happen? From this moment to revelation, because we're talking about eternal life too as a relationship. So from here to eternity, God tries to figure out, how can I get a hold of this guy? You say, well, God could do it like that, but he didn't. He let man make decisions. He should have he never done that. But he did. And man has a habit of blowing it. And God has a habit of trying to restore it. Over and over and over and over and over and over again. So you got to think, why Noah? Why a guy like Noah? Why did God speak to Noah? He said, son, build a ship. This is how you build it. I'm going to give you about 120 years to reach some folks. Keep building. Keep preaching. Let's see what happens. Don't we know the story? God says it's gotten so bad I got to do something radical. 120 years he preached, nobody responds. And then the Bible says Noah got his family into the ship. And here's the awesome, incredible thing. The door closed of its own accord. God said, that's it. You think God was heartbroken? 120 years and nobody cared? 120 years and no man wanted this relationship? After all God was trying to do, no man wanted this relationship? He says, it's over. And he starts over. Why would God do that? Because he really desires relationship. This is an extreme. How many of you know that? He just kills everyone. Okay, we're starting over. Oh, great, Noah. First thing you do is get drunk. Wonderful. You know, God is an awesome God. I mean, the waters reside. The ship's planted on solid ground. He gets out, builds a vineyard, and gets drunk. My God, all those animals, I'll tell you what. God says, I, yeah, oh, Lord, I just... God is so patient. Isn't he? Why Moses? Why Moses? Why is there a Moses? Why do we read about a Moses? How come we read where this little baby was shoved out in this little basket into a river and the Egyptian daughter picked her up, the little servant, and all of a sudden we got the whole history of Moses. 
And all of a sudden, one day, God speaks to Moses and say, Mo, do I got a plan. I'm going to send you before Pharaoh. And with all the power and authority I give you, you're going to say, let my people go. So Pharaoh kind of hem-hawed a little bit, went to Pharaoh, or Moses did, and he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no, I don't think so. How many of you ever stepped out to obey God? And the devil says, not this time. (laughs) Wait, I'm walking in obedience. Wait, I'm doing what you told me to do. I expected you to touch Pharaoh's heart. No. He looks down and goes, no. Now we have the ten plagues that come. I don't have enough time to go through the ten plagues. But how many of you know it was bad? Why would God do that? Ten plagues, frogs and lice and all. He's trying to redeem his people. It's still all about relationship. The ten plagues is all about relationship. The ten plagues is all about getting Pharaoh to go, take your stinking people and get out of here. This is crazy. And finally he did. He says, take your people and get out of here. Ten plagues later, killing of the firstborn. Finally Pharaoh goes, all right, okay, I've had it. And God goes, man, this guy's hard. But we finally got him there, didn't we? How many of you ever wonder if God knows what he's doing? (laughs) He knows what he's doing, but sometimes it takes a while to get there. And so Pharaoh lets the people of God go. I love this. Over and over and over. But you know what I like the most? They're being set free, but in Exodus 12, 35, it says this. Now the sons of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, for they had requested. I I love this part. Here they are, a bunch of slaves. They're finally getting set free, and they go, oh, by the way, uh, when, when we leave, we would like articles of silver and gold and some clothing, if you don't mind. Number one, who are they to even ask? I mean, you got to think this thing through. Well, I don't know if God wants to bless people. Let's just look at this. Uh, We're leaving, and I mean, this may be easy to say after the 10 plague scene, you know. (laughs) By the way, if you don't want any more trouble, we'd like some silver, gold, and some articles of clothing. Lest the 11th plague come upon you. You know, I don't know. But you know what I do like? The Bible says, and the Lord had given the people favor. Favor to do things they couldn't do on themselves. Favor to get things they could have never got by themselves. Favor to walk in power and authority and get what they asked for. That's another sermon. And the Egyptians let them have their request and gave them silver and gold and clothing and said, be gone. God says, do I have a promised land for you? 
How many of you know the story now? God does the ten plagues. God God gives them silver, gold, articles of clothing. God moves in their behalf. Everything's good. And he goes, I got a land for you, flowing with milk and honey. You won't believe it. Some didn't. Took a whole generation to finally raise up somebody who did believe it. And man blows it and blows it and blows it and blows it and blows it again. And all the time, God's saying, you got to be kidding me. Why God? Why is God even like this? If I would have been God, it would have been over a long time ago. You know what? I don't need this. I'll just build me another garden and just be by myself. He might have used a term like, I think I've fallen out of love. I mean, look what people put him through. I, I get a kick out of people. I pastored 40 years. And I'd have somebody come in the church and they'd look at me and go, can I talk to you a minute? Yeah. I used to want you to know something. I had a bad experience with a pastor once. And I don't trust pastors. And I'd look him straight in the eyes and go, well, I've had a few thousand people that have burned me royal. I don't really trust people either. I'll put your one burn against my thousands. But I'm still preaching. And I'll still love people. But they're knuckleheads. Now, now, let me clarify something. Not here. Yeah, I don't pastor you. You're all perfect people to me. Give me a week with you, I'll change my mind. But right now, you're all good. You know what? I think I would have given up on mankind a long time ago, but God said, no. McKinney 1-1. How many of you ever read McKinney 1-1? I have. Says, okay, man's a knucklehead. I've got to come up with something that absolutely they can't really mess up. It's got to function around grace. Because that's, that's the only way it's going to happen. It, it can't function on what they do or don't do exactly. It's got to function on what they believe. It's got to function on relationship. So he says, the only thing I can do is with these knuckleheads, was, it's not just to find Harley Davidson. Knuckleheads some people too. For all you Harley lovers. <laughs> He said, I've got to pull off this incredible thing. I, I've, I've just got to send my own son. It's the only thing I can do. If I'm ever going to have a relationship with people, it's got to be based on something different than I've ever done before. It ain't working. So somehow he tells his boy, we're going to do this. And he sends his son. Make a long story short, and time may be running out here in a little while. I like this story. John 3, 9, 17, incredible story, illustrating the past and the present. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Remember that story? Yeah. Now I'm jumping in the New Testament. 
Nicodemus said, what? How can this be? And I won't go into detail, but it seems impossible to me <laughs> that a man could be born again. <laughs> uh, any of you ladies ever had a nine-pound baby boy, you know it ain't going back. <laughs> no, it's out. Keep it out. I ain't putting it back. That's it. Done. <laughs> so he's not getting it. He said, how can you be born again? Jesus said, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? He says, truly, truly, pay attention. I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we've seen. You don't accept the testimony anyway. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how you believe the heavenly things? No one ascends to heaven, but he who descends from heaven, the son of man. And then he puts the two together. He says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, Old Testament, healing, redemption, all these things. Even so, man, the son of man must be lifted up. New Testament, healing, redemption, relationship. Amen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That if we believe in him, we will not perish, but have everlasting life. And God says... There you have it. There you have it. Enter the New Testament. Matthew eleven two through 6 says, When John was in prison, he heard the works of Christ and sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the expected one or shall we look for someone else? Jesus said, Go tell John this. Now listen to his response. Very important. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf ears are open. The dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them. Amen. Are you the one or should we look for another? Jesus didn't say, I'm him. Hello in the flesh. Are you the Messiah or should we look for another one? I'm him. Don't be looking for nobody else. I'm number one. I'm the guy. I'm the Messiah. No, what was his answer? His answer wasn't who he was. The answer is what he was doing. <laughs> Go tell John, if he wants to know if I'm the guy, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, deaf hear, dead men are raised, poor have the gospel with them always. And I thought about that. That's all relational. If you want to know about the Son of God, look at the relationships he has. What he does. What is he doing in all these? Just a quick question. So when the blind receive their sight, what is Jesus actually doing? Oh, he's performing a miracle. Oh, I get that. But he's doing much more than performing a miracle. He is putting a man or a person's life back together. Amen. He may be touching a family that's had to put up with blindness. Hello. We, you know, raised from the dead. We, that's a give me. Yeah. The deaf are hearing. Wow. 
What's he doing? He's restoring. He's making whole. He's putting people together. It's still all about relationships. Every miracle Jesus did was about relationship. He had compassion on them. What, for a miracle? No. For a relationship. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he wept. This ain't about raising him from the dead. This is about, I got my friend back. This is about family, Sam. My family's there. Remember the sisters that weren't too happy about it? They're happy. Jesus brought happiness to a family by doing a miracle. Relationship. It's all about relationship. All the way through the Bible. It's about relationship. You know, if you want to be successful in a business or if you have an invention, you want to be successful in your invention, they always say find the need and fill it. If you find the need and fill it, and it's the need that people are looking for, you'll be a success. So what do we do? As a church, what do we do? We find a need and fill it. If you find a need and fill it, there's not enough room in this church for everyone that would come. Because after Jesus says, blind receive their sight, lame walk, and so on, he says, truly, truly, I say unto you, he who believes in me, which is how many in here? Well, not all of you, not all of you are raising your hands. <laughs> he says, listen, the works that I do, you'll do also. And greater works will these do because I go to the Father. What's he talking about? Well, what did he just say? The blind receive their sight, the lame walk. Greater works will we do. Well, that's where we're at, folks. I don't believe that. I don't care what you believe. This is what he said. Meeting the needs of others. Jesus was very good at meeting the needs of others. The healing of the royal officials. Let me, let me talk about meeting the needs of others. How many of you, though, meeting the needs of others doesn't mean you're happy about it? Let me just say it again, because I didn't put this in the first service. This is Revelation. I said, meeting the needs of Jesus, meeting the needs of others, fulfilling the will of God does not necessarily mean that you're going to go, oh, joy, joy. I got saved in 1970, folks. I got saved in what was known as the Jesus Movement. And all it was, was a bunch of hippies smoking dope, running naked in the woods, and God touched our lives. I was in a rock and roll band. The whole band got saved. 
God just took the whole band right out of that whole scene. We had contracts with Electra Records and all kinds of stuff. I don't, I'm not going to go into all that right now, but we were getting to where we wanted to be. Now, the whole band got saved except for me. I'm telling you, for about two or three weeks, I hated God. Recording contract with Electra Records is over. Contracts with Electric Circus in New York was gone. Concerts we had, we had uh, were gone. All because of this Jesus. I was so angry that our rhythm player was out in front of his house and cut his hair off short and all cleaned up. And I drove by. He's out painting his house. Man, I parked. I called him every name I could think of. I called him everything I could think of, which consisted of maybe six words. I hated him. I hated God, hated everything about it. Whew. But then, well, I ain't got time. I got saved. Amen. Then I loved that guy. I didn't say I liked him. I said I loved him. You, some of you know what I'm talking about. But you know what God did? God used our band. We, we, we were a three-piece at the time. The, guy, the, the rhythm player had gotten saved a year before. So our band went from playing a concert, Led Zeppelin, heavy-duty cranking music, to the very next weekend on the platform singing Peace, Peace, Wonderful Peace. You know what we did? We brought electric, or electric guitars. We brought drums. We brought everything on the stage that the church hated. In 70, churches didn't have all that. They had an organ and a piano. And maybe an old lady on a dobro. That was it. That's what we had. And all of a sudden, us long hairs were sitting here on the platform playing music. I got article after article after article about the Jesus movement and all the hippies getting saved in churches and churches rising up saying, this is not God. I don't want anything to do with it. This movement's of the devil. And, and here I'm 50 years down the road been saved. I'm coming up right on 50. And all the pastors that I know of that said, this is not God, did nothing. Their churches stayed stiff-necked, wouldn't budge, and missed an entire revival and an entire generation because they wouldn't budge. It is sad. I had a church, Brother Murrin, First Phoenix Church. We went down and played a concert for him. Place packed out. Young people. 60, 70 people at the altar getting saved. Packed. He got up after that and said, this is not God. I don't want any part of it. I don't want this move at all. And we're like, are you kidding me? All these kids got saved. It wasn't too long after that he died. I mean, not too long. And we put one of our young guys in there to take that church and had revival. 
That's awesome. Because folks, I'm telling you, meeting a need may not make everybody happy. Now, personally, I'm here this morning. I'm ecstatic. I'm absolutely looking around going, oh, yeah. Yeah. Love it. Finally, after years and years of talking, finally have electric drums. I'm a, I'm a drummer. I play electric drums for years. The only thing I don't like about live drums is to get a live drummer that doesn't know how to play. It's horrible. It ruins the whole song service. But electric, you can turn and clear down. Go ahead and play as hard as you want. <laughs> no one's going to hear you. <laughs> Folks, I love this. Some may not. But they didn't like the hippies getting saved either. They didn't like the loud music either. But a lot of them hung out there until years later they could look and go, man, did God move. They experienced a revival they'd never be able to experience being stiff-necked and hardcore. I'm here to tell you, the message remains the same. If you're going to reach a generation, the method has to change. Well, God's the same yesterday, today. I get all that. I get it. I'm not trying to make light of it. But, you know, there has to be change if we're going to reach some people that you can't reach any other way. They ain't coming. They ain't doing it. The last thing I wanted to do as a hippie was to go into some church where everybody's just sitting there. You don't come off the road, the tour, <laughs> going to a church where they're all like. My thought would be all these people need drugs, man. They're all messed up. <laughs> back in the day. Back in the day. I'm saying to meet the needs of others may not be something you like. But it's something that's needed. I love walking in here and seeing doing life together. That's what it's all about. I love walking in here and seeing relationship. That's what it's all about. And from Genesis to Revelation, folks, all it is is God trying to have relationship with his people from the blow-it case in the garden. All the way through. Clear up to eternity. I'm going to be with Jesus forever. What are you talking about? You're talking about relationship. It's all about relationship. What, am I supposed to end it like 12 or before 12? Oh, be honest with me. Just tell me. Am I done? Okay. Don't try to sweet talk me, John. Healing the royal official's son, healing the demoniac, healing Peter's mother-in-law, healing a leper, miracle of healing the centurion servant, healing the paralyzed man, healing the wildered hand, raising the widow's son, healing the Gadarene. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. 
Guy's running around. I preached this here before, but he's running around the tombs. He's cutting himself with rock. He's breaking chains. He's running naked. Jesus touches him. He's clothed in his right mind. And you know what Jesus tells him, don't you? Go home. The dude had a home? What kind of home? Was it just his house or did he have family? If he had family, did he have kids? Did he have kids that had to go, yeah, that's my dad. <laughs> strong, though. He's strong. He breaks chains. <laughs> my dad can beat your dad. I mean, <laughs> what's he, what are they going to say? <laughs> my dad breaks chains. Can yours? Right. Oh, I've seen him do it. Go home. Get your family together. Get the relationships right. See, you can, you can get off on the miracle. Or you can get off on the miracle. You can get off on the fact that the Gadarene man was healed. Set free. Or you can take it a step further and go, my God, his home was put back together. That's right. What do you think Jesus is all about? Right. Doing life together. Exactly. Relationships. Exactly. Everything in the Bible was over relationship. The healing of the woman with the issue of blood. If I could just touch a hem of his garment. Touches it. Whoa. And Jesus says, who touched me? What do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you. No. Somebody touched me. Right. I felt virtue leave my body. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, you didn't really get healed. You know, some people are so bad. Right. Look at a blind kid that got his sight back, 12 years old in Mexico, and they go, well, you weren't really blind. Okay, have your bad attitude. I don't care. When his parents saw him for the first time and I was there seeing them, don't tell him he, he didn't get healed. He got healed. Right. Tears and running around crying. And, nah, nah, nah. You come too late to tell me these things don't happen. Why do these things happen? God is in the relationship. He loves to pull up alongside of you. And I didn't tell them about the, the dog thing, did I? Here? That was the first service, huh? Yeah. Well, I don't know if I'm going to tell you or not. <laughs> <laughs> on Facebook, some of you might have saw it. There's this guy and his dog sitting on a bench. Anybody see it? The dog's sitting there and the guy's sitting here. And the, up above him, the guy's looking up and all these bubbles. You know, the, he sees a car. He sees a house. He sees money. He's like daydreaming like finer things of life and above the dog it's got a bubble and it shows him sitting beside his owner that's it it's just relationship why do you think he's called man's best friend yeah you know how you can tell throw your wife and your dog in the trunk of your car Drive around for an hour, 
open the trunk and find out which one is glad to see you. Well, there you go. <laughs> you know that's funny? And that's an old joke. But Jesus is just like that. No matter what you try to pull off in life, when you say, God, I'm a knucklehead, he goes, I know. Why, God, do you love me so much? I'm a knucklehead. That beautiful French word, I'm an idiot. He knows. While you're a yet a sinner, he died for you. Why would God do that? Relationship. You're a blow-it case. You are. And he still loves you. Ain't nobody perfect in here at all. Right? He still loves you anyway. All you got to do is say, Jesus, he pulls right up alongside you. And said, okay, idiot, let's talk. It's not like he doesn't know. Oh, I didn't know you were that stupid. He knows. He already knows. And he loves you anyway. He'll still just pull you right next to him and go, let's get on with life. Why, God? Because of this thing, doing life together, which I love. Relationship. And I love the fact that you're figuring this out here at this church. That people like doing things together that they like to do. You know, last thing I want to do is sit in a quilting class. Oh, some of you just got mad. I get it. But see, if you have a doing life together and this life group with people that love quilting more than anything else on planet Earth, what a time. What a time to do life together. It's great. It's happy. Look at this stitch. Oh, my God. That's a wall. Where did you learn that one? I'm not into that at all. But some of you are. Some of you aren't into going buying a Harley and riding with Harleys. I am. That's my bag. And I do life together with others that have a like attraction. We have a blast. We witness. Yes. I can pull into any town on my Harley and have a friend in 10 minutes. I had one of those. I bet you did. (laughs) What kind did you have? Oh, that's a good bite. Yeah, I had a blast. Memories start going, talking, conversation. Next thing you know, you're witnessing. Okay, now it's 12.01. I got to shut up. No, I'm not going on. Don't beg me. Let's bow our heads this morning, can we? By the way, just for the sake of my brother-in-law, Greg Johnson, I did preach the same sermon. 
That's because I hope he sees this tape. Because when he was here, I heard him say, <laughs> I don't preach the same sermon in the second service because I don't like to. Well, Lottie da <laughs> Love you, Greg. <laughs> Father, I pray for every heart in here this morning. I pray that your spirit touches. I pray if there's people in here that don't know you and have a relationship with you, they leave this place with one that they experience what your love and your mercy is all about. And God, I pray for people in this congregation that are willing to have hearts to step out in unfamiliar areas and just reach a people. Bring that relationship into right relationship. I know that's my cue. I hear it. Amen. Father touches as we leave this place. Let us be used in a relationship fashion in Jesus' name. Now, I do understand you're going to have prayer. you have prayer up here right now? Yes, you do. Okay, so the prayer warriors are coming up here. They'll pray for you. They'll touch you. Let's stand across this church. And I thank you for letting me yell at you again. <laughs> Amen. And so if you have a need, if you have a situation, if you're not right with God, come on down. These folks will pray with you. You can leave this place different than you came in. Lord bless you as you go. Thank you for listening to the Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.